Hello! Welcome, it's episode 45 of Dauber Prospects Radio. Episode 45, that's the number 45. Let's take a look at some recent players who were picked 45th overall in recent NHL drafts. We'll kind of uh, dedicate this episode to you guys. So here's a couple hits. Uh, Most recently, Scott Perunovich was picked 45th overall by the St. Louis Blues. In doing some research on this, I noticed that uh, a certain team had some pretty good success recently. Uh, That would be the Boston Bruins. Uh, They picked Jacob Forbaska Carlson, Ryan Spooner, and going back a few years before that, Patrice Bergeron. So they did all right with uh, pick number 45. Uh, A couple of uh, players who didn't really pan out in the 45th pick recently could be guys like Jeremy Morin, Colby Cohen, Gilliam Latandres, and Matthew Schwinnard, perhaps on future episodes of Where Are They Now? Anyhow, getting on with today's episode, uh, since the last show, there's been a little bit of news, uh, some transactions in the NHL. So it's always fun to review those and talk about what the fantasy implications might be on some player movement at the NHL level. So let's start off with uh, the big trade that went down a couple weeks ago now uh, between the Arizona Coyotes and Chicago Blackhawks, sending Brendan Perlini and Dylan Strome to Chicago for Nick Schmaltz. Now, this is a little bit old, so I won't dwell too much on this. I think the common belief is that Arizona wins this trade outright from the start, getting Nick Schmaltz, uh, the most established NHL player. Uh, So a short-term win for Arizona. But uh, Dylan Strom is only a few years removed from being a third overall draft pick by Arizona. Picked right after uh, McDavid and Eichel, and just before um, Mitch Marner by the Toronto Maple Leafs. So the upside on Strom has always been through the roof, and he's a center. The problem with him making that uh, high upside a reality in the NHL has been his footwork. He's a little slow-footed, uh, not undersized, but, uh, but slow at foot. His, uh, his hands are very quick. His vision is great. I think he's dominated the AHL last season and doesn't really have much to prove there. So I'm hoping that the move to Chicago, the Hawks will allow him to play on a regular shift in the NHL, possibly even with his um, OHL uh, line mate in Alex Dabrinkit. Those two put up some eye-popping numbers with the Erie Otters en route to their Memorial Cup championship. They also played with uh, Connor McDavid, but don't let anyone tell you that they were just riding the coattails of McDavid because they held their own on a line with him. And McDavid graduated, and these guys went on to, to not miss a beat. Another interesting little sidebar to this trade and the Erie Otters reunion storyline that goes with it is not to be overlooked is the fact that... Uh, in their minor system, playing in Rockford with the Ice Hogs is another Erie Otters line mate of theirs, and that would be Darren Radish. So Radish, as you may recall, was a player that a few seasons ago, when he was dominating as an overage defenseman in the OHL with Erie and Stroman Dabrinkit, uh, former pro host Paul Zwambag and I were really bullish on this player, and we couldn't understand why he wasn't getting any sort of attention from NHL teams. He went undrafted several times, 
um, his final season in the OHL. Granted, it was as as an overage, as a twenty year old playing against you know sixteen, seventeen, eighteen year old kids for the most part. Um, anyway, he dominated. He was the CHL Defenseman of the Year. Uh, led the OHL in scoring for defense, ended up the following season getting an AHL contract, and then last season in the offseason, he was signed to his entry-level contract by the Chicago Blackhawks, and he's doing just fine in the AHL right now. So he's a player who probably finishes the season playing entirely in the AHL again this year, but uh, given the fact that the Chicago Blackhawks are in a rebuild mode, if this guy can kind of find some chemistry uh, that he had with Strom and Debrinket in the minors, he's a player that I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't hesitate to look at uh, putting on your fantasy roster watch list or or even adding him to your team. Uh, I know I sure did in the DPFHL recently. Uh, not to be overlooked in this trade is Brendan Perlini as well. He is an enigmatic player. He's uh, got great size, great scoring ability, good hands. Um, but just hasn't been able to find consistency at the pro level. He had a cup of coffee and during the final season of one of his junior years uh, and had uh, an immediate impact in the AHL at the end of the season, scoring a number of points. Wasn't able to duplicate that the following season, had a bit of a bounce back last year. So he's a player I think maybe at just a fresh start could really help him out. Another trade that went down, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs has been in a few. They made a swap with the Calgary Flames. Um, so they sent Andrew Nilsson to Calgary in exchange for Morgan Klimchuk. So this is a pretty meh trade, in my opinion. I don't think either of these players really have any sort of NHL upside. I, I believe that they were maybe a little bit higher profiles earlier in their career, but their development just no longer projects them towards being impact players or even really NHL players. Uh, I think this is a minor league trade. If you own any of these players in your fantasy leagues, I'm not really sure there's going to be much difference unless you count minor league stats. Another move made by the Leafs, obviously William Nylander recently signed. Uh, We can all breathe a collective sigh of relief that we don't have to listen to that ongoing news saga anymore. So in order to make room for Nylander, the Leafs have to make a roster spot, and uh, so they temporarily sent... Travis Dermott's to the minors. That was very short-lived, of course, as that was just a a time-buying maneuver. He'll be back with the roster, if not already. Uh, Josh Levo, however, is the odd man out. The Toronto Maple Leafs went ahead, and rather than put him on waivers to send him to the minors and lose him for nothing, they sent him to the Vancouver Canucks in exchange for minor league prospect Michael Carcone. Carcone? Carcone? Anyhow, this is a guy that was never drafted, signed as a free agent by the Canucks, has been playing in Utica, and is basically a minor league player. So rather than lose Levo for nothing, the Leafs are able to recoup and get a minor league asset that will help their Marlies team. And uh, Josh Levo gets a clean start in Vancouver, while he will look to replace Brendan Leipzig, who the Vancouver Canucks placed on waivers. Uh, He was claimed by the Los Angeles Kings. Brendan Leipzig is a player I've, I've talked about on this podcast before. He's a player that I like. I got to see him quite, play quite a bit when he was with the Toronto Marlies live. This season, he struggled. Five points in 17 games. Nothing to write home about. Uh, he showed when he played in the AHL with the Marlies that he has a very high skill level and great passing and playmaking abilities. Uh, I think his playmaking abilities are NHL level. His skating is good. His size is a little bit on the small size, 
he's a good but not great player. He's sort of a tweener, would be the way I would describe him. Uh, too good for the AHL, maybe, and just not quite consistent enough for the NHL. What I would really like to see him do in order to secure himself a full-time role in the NHL is rediscover the uh, pest element of his game that he had when he played in the WHL in junior. And this is a guy that was WHL leading scorer in final year of his junior eligibility. And he also had over 100 penalty mitts. You may remember him from such moves like drinking from the opposing team's goalie's water bottle that was behind the net and causing a bit of a stir. If he can carve out a niche like that in the NHL, a la Brad Marchand or Brendan Gallagher, uh, those type of players, uh, I think he needs a little bit more than just his skill to maintain his spot in the NHL. So, Brendan, if you're listening, be a little bit more of a be more of a dirtbag, would you? I think it'll be good for your career. Another player picked up by the uh, Los Angeles Kings is Montreal Canadiens' former top prospect Nikita Sherback. So. This is an interesting story that the Habs have given up on. They're a rebuilding team, by the way, and they've given up on what was one of their top prospects. Um, He was a first-round pick, 26 overall in 2014. He's got good size, 6'2", 192. He's uh, 15% owned in Fantrax, and he's only 22 years old. So in my opinion, it's it's a little bit early to be pulling the plug on this guy. Um, his NHL career stats are not impressive, so I can see why Montreal was maybe getting a little impatient with him. Seven points total in 29 games played. His AHL stats are a little bit better. 95 points in 145 games played for .66 point per game. So just over half a point per game AHL-wise, uh, playing on Laval for the most part. Not a not a great team. Um I think this is a shrewd move by the Los Angeles Kings, adding themselves a good prospect. They're a rebuilding team. They need some help. Um, If you are in a league and you want to take a chance on Sherbeck, I think he has the opportunity to maybe even play in the NHL with Los Angeles this season. Uh, Another even more eyebrow-raising waiver move this recently was uh, Carolina Hurricanes placing Valentin Zykov on waivers. So Valentin Zykov was originally drafted by the Los Angeles Kings with an Edmonton Oilers draft pick, by the way. They acquired the pick from Edmonton, used it to draft Zykov, and they subsequently traded him to Carolina in the Christopher Stieg trade deadline deal from a few years ago. Uh, In 2017-18 season, Zykov had a great year. He played 10 games in the NHL, posting 7 points. And despite playing 10 games in the NHL, he still managed to be an AHL all-star pick and led the AHL in goals, uh, playing in 63 games, scoring 33 goals and 54 points. So he can score. There is no question about that. His foot speed is a little bit in question. So the first thing people are going to think of when they hear that he's claimed by the Edmonton Oilers is, ooh, 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 will he play with Connor McDavid? Never draft a player in the anticipation that what if he plays with a superstar? Because obviously the follow-up question to that is, what if he doesn't? And if the answer to that is, then he's not fantasy relevant, then let someone else take that risk. However, if we're talking waiver claims here, your risk-reward factor is, is pretty heavily favored in the reward side where you're not really giving up anything to add him onto your roster if you've got a waiver spot. 
I like this this play. I think it's he's got some fantasy value. He's 36% owned in Fantrax already, so his ownership is creeping up on the high side. He's uh, increased by 3.2% in the last week, so since the waiver claim. He's yet to play with Edmonton because he's waiting for some immigration issues coming from uh, playing for an American team to a Canadian team, but those things usually tend to short sort themselves out within a few days at the NHL level. Uh, so he's a player that I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't hesitate to look at if you're looking for some fantasy options. All right, speaking of uh, waiver wires and fantasy options, taking a look at uh, purely prospect level, I thought this week I would uh, take a look at some college players who are making some noise that you want to know about. Start. I don't get to watch a lot of college games, so this is mostly stat-driven. And looking right at the top of the NCAA scoring list, you're going to find Evan Barrett. Uh, he is only 3% Fantrax owned. He's drafted by the Chicago Blackhawks. He's a 6-foot, 187-pound center, and he's only 19 years old. So this is a guy who's very likely going to be playing for USA at the World Junior Championships shortly. He's in his sophomore or second season in the NCAA. He's playing for Penn State, and he's got 25 points in 15 games. 12 goals, 13 assists. So a really nice goal-assist balance there. That's 1.67 points per game. And another player who you might want to put on your watch list, he's not NHL-owned, uh, he's gone undrafted a few times, is Alex Limoges. Now, I didn't know anything about this guy. I had to do a little bit of research on him. And something that I found out was uh, he's in his uh, second year in the NCAA. And three years ago now, he was playing in the USHL. And he finished seventh with 56 points overall in that league and 35 56 points in 35 games. He finished right between Svechnikov and Tolvanen. And you guys are probably familiar with those players' names. For some reason, he didn't get any draft love, went undrafted, went on to college, scored 21 points in 37 games as a freshman last year. And now, in his sophomore season, he is leading the NCAA in scoring, tied with linemate Evan Barrett, uh, with 1.67 points per game. 25 points. He also has 12 goals and 13 assists. Uh, so very interesting profile there. If anyone is a little bit more familiar and wants to, to tweet at the show at DPR underscore show or at me directly at Farling and let me know what's going on with this guy. I'd be really curious to understand why people think he's undrafted. Can't be size. Not in today's game. All right. Next player on the list would be a defenseman. Um, Mr. Adam Fox. He's 20 years old, 5'11", 181, drafted by the Calgary Flames. Third round, 66th overall. He has 17% Fantrax ownership. And what's interesting about this guy is scouting reports and player profile for him list him as a good two-way defenseman and that offense isn't even really his forte. And yet, he's leading the NCAA in scoring for defense. Um, he was traded from Calgary to Carolina and, and along with Dougie Hamilton and Michael Furland for Noah Hannafin and Lindholm. Uh, a great trade, really interesting trade. Still waiting to see how the, that totally pans out in the end as uh, Furland has just been dominant for Carolina. He's hitting everything, he's scoring goals, and Hamilton's Hamilton. Uh, I really like Dougie Hamilton. Anyhow, back to Adam Fox. The Dauber upside in this guy is 9.0, and his NHL certainty is 7.0. Those are 
pretty encouraging numbers uh, if you want to look at adding him on your fantasy roster. And again, he is 17% owned in Fantrax, so there should be plenty of opportunity to add this player to your prospect roster. Um, He's tied for six overall in league scoring. He's got 20 points in 10 games. He's leading the league in points per game at two points per game. I guess the big question is, is he going to sign in Carolina or is this a player that could end up becoming a free agent? And that would explain maybe why Calgary was prepared to give up on him because they might have caught wind or got an indication that he doesn't intend either maybe signing an NHL contract and becoming a free agent, or maybe he just didn't want to play in Calgary. Uh, One more player to look at. I wanted to talk about David Cotton. He is a Texas-born center, 21 years old. He's got good size, 6'3", 201 pounds. Carolina drafted him in 2015, late, 6th round, 169th overall. He is 0% Fantrax owned. Uh, that stat is probably going to change as he is climbing up the scoring uh, leaderboard. He's a junior in NCAA playing for Boston College, and he's leading that team in scoring with 15 points in 12 games. 10 goals, 5 assists, 1.4 points per game. Some other notable players playing for Boston College that he's outscoring would be Oliver Wallstrom, Jack McBain, Pelly Rassinen, Adam Samuelson, I couldn't believe what the the gap in the scoring was. Uh, It looks like Boston College is really struggling overall. These players aren't putting up very impressive points, and um, David Cotton is. So he's the exception to the rule there. uh, Interesting, if someone, someone Boston fans, maybe Mark Allred watches a little bit of uh, Boston College games from the Black and Gold podcast. Mark, you want to let me know what's going on with with Mr. David Cotton and, and Boston College this season? That'd be great. Uh, What I like about Cotton is obviously first and foremost his size. He's got great hands for a kid his size. He's starting to use his size a little bit more assertively, carving out some space on the ice. Now that he's not the the young kid in the league, he's a 21-year-old playing college hockey, so he's able to use his size and experience to carve himself out some ice and use his weight, throw his weight around. His skill is great. He had some pretty impressive scoring stats playing high school hockey before he was drafted. He's got a good hockey sense, and his skating ability is something that's improved. Uh, there's a good article on David Cotton I encourage you to read from Elite Prospects, their EP rink side. That's a tremendous, tremendous series, by the way. Great content there, showing you all kinds of players that you want to know and keep an eye on. All right, so those are your waiver wire players for this week. Uh, let's go ahead and take a look at some of your questions. So thanks for sending in your questions this week. The first one comes to me from uh, Pats at St. Pat Burns, and he wants to know if Jonathan Dolan is a stutter dud. Stutter dud was a great segment that Paul and I had a while ago. We might want to revisit that. Uh, Okay, so first of all, Jonathan Dolan is uh, 20 years old. He's in year one of his AHL career, having come over from Sweden where he was playing some junior hockey. This season, he's got 23 games under his belt, 3 goals, 10 assists for 13 points. Not bad. He's 20% fan tracks owned. Um, It wasn't too long ago he had 6 points in 7 games at the World Junior Championship. Uh, So, looking at his stats, I haven't really had a chance to watch him play for Utica this year. But do I think he's a stud or a dud? I think he's a stud. Uh, High-profile prospect. Sens fans were crying when they traded him to Vancouver 
for Alex Burrows. That's going to go down in history as a terrible trade. I really do think that Jonathan Dolan has NHL upside and the top six role. A little bit slow start. 13 points in 23 games is really even that slow. Three goals in 23 games is. But uh, he's a 20-year-old AHL rookie. It's a big adjustment. It's a very difficult league. It's a lot bigger. It's a lot faster and stronger. I think you'll see he'll make some adjustments this year, and his point-per-game average will will be just fine. And I wouldn't even be surprised if he made a bid to make the Canucks roster as early as next year. Uh, The roster uh, next year could look a little different than this year. The Canucks have a lot of really great really great prospects. I'm a big fan of their prospect pipeline. It's it's probably my favorite. Uh, so he'll have some pretty tough, tough competition there for sure. All right, next question comes from King Tuna at King Tuna 4. And King Tuna asks me, Vitaly Abramov, how long before he's in a Columbus Blue Jacket sweater? Well, that's a great question, Tuna. This is a player that I saw play in Gatineau quite a bit recently while he was there. Love him. I think he's got otherworldly skill. He's got a great uh, engine, competes, moves his hands and his feet, and he thinks the game all extremely fast, way faster than the level of hockey he was playing when he was in the queue. He actually has gone down as the highest scoring import player in Quebec uh, league history. Uh, he's got 20 games under his belt this year and only seven points, three goals, four assists. So he's kind of kind of struggling a little bit in the AHL. Uh, the, the fact that he's gone from junior to the AHL is, again, uh, a learning curve there. He could go to the ECHL, as a lot of players do, and then work their way into the AHL and then try and work their way into the NHL. What's mostly concerning about me in the stats line is, if you look back a little bit, uh, playing with Russia at the World Junior Championships, we had one goal and no assists in five games with them recently. Uh, and that's playing against the elite of your peers, and he kind of struggled. Uh, so dominated the queue year in and year out, struggled at the World Juniors, and now he's kind of mediocre at best in the AHL. So what I'm saying is I'm not pulling the plug on him as a prospect. He's only 20 years old and a rookie in the AHL. But what that does mean is I might be reassessing my original thought on how soon he could make it to the NHL. Uh, originally I was thinking that he would probably play one season in the AHL before really seriously competing to play in the NHL. Uh, So that may still be the case, but he's going to have to figure some things out in short order this season in order to make that uh, a reality. Uh, Do I still think he has NHL upside? Absolutely. Top six uh, NHL scoring winger upside, very fantasy relevant. Um, so I guess the earliest would be 1920, but probably 2021 uh, is the short answer there. Next question, Flying V's uh, at I'm Your Huckleberry. He asked me thoughts on Fred Alred and the NHL ETA to Nashville. So Flying V's, Fred Alred is a defenseman playing with the Milwaukee in the AHL. He's in his second year. He's got 16 points in 24 games. He's uh, got decent size, 6'1", 179, and he's 20 years old. So those are all around good numbers. He's a good two-way defenseman, uh, plays physical, has an offensive upside, can move the puck. Uh, So there's a lot to like about his game, and his game certainly projects well at the pro level up to the NHL. 
uh, I guess doesn't project he's in the A at the, at the pro level now. Where I do see him playing is um, in their bottom six. And I guess if you want to look at projecting him into Nashville's roster, you got to take a look at where's his what's his competition like? What's the opportunity there? So Nashville's defense is pretty well known to be deep and excellent. Their top four aren't going anywhere. He's not moving out Subban, Yossi Ellis, or Ekholm from the top four spot. Ultimately, I think he projects to be a, a bottom pairing player at the NHL level. So right now on the roster, his competition is guys like Dan Hamhuis, Matt Irwin, and Bieto. Uh, not impossible for him to knock one of those guys out of a roster spot, probably not this year, but maybe next year. However, here's the catch. He can't get surpassed or outbid by other top prospects that Nashville has. And I'm looking at you, Fabro and Ference and Carrier. Those are all three prospects within the Nashville system right now who I would say are ranked higher on the depth chart or organizational ranking uh, than R it is. Um, so some of these guys are in, in junior or college hockey and might want to play another year at school. If that's the case, then that bodes well for his opportunity to make the team next year. But if all three of these guys try to make the Nashville Predators roster next year, including R, that's all four of them competing for two spots, well, you do the math. Uh, so the ETA on him, I think, would be uh, dependent on those players and other roster moves and injuries, etc., etc., etc. But either 1920 or 2021 season, if he hasn't made it by then, uh, he's not going to. At least not in the Nashville organization. Uh, you asked me what his ETA to the NHL or Nashville was. I think his ETA to the NHL might be faster if he wasn't owned by Nashville. If that helps. All right, another question by Flying V's. He asks, uh, with Dennis Gurionov's play recently, has he redeemed himself as a top prospect? So we're shifting gears to forward and the Dallas Stars. And Dennis Gurionov, um, he is a 21-year-old player. He was picked 12th overall by Dallas in 2015. He's got 20 games and 22 points in the AHL this year. He, uh, after being drafted, he played a little bit in the KHL, struggled a little bit there, bounced around a little bit, came to North America, played in the NHL, had a mm, so-so season, and now he's kind of kind of living up to expectations this year. He also scored seven points in seven games at the World Junior Championships with Russia recently as well. That was an impressive showing in tournament about two years ago. So the fact that he's only 21 years old, and when he was drafted, he was considered a top prospect... My argument is that he never really, for me, lost that top prospect moniker. I don't think you can, after two short seasons, just kind of pull the plug on a player and give up on him. Uh, if, if you did, uh, well, that's your choice. Uh, you may or may not be successful writing off players before they turn 22 or 23 years old. Uh, I wouldn't. And uh, so, therefore, I'd say he never lost the moniker of top prospect. Uh, and I would say he still is top prospect. Yeah, the next question, David Lemaire. He asked me the chance that Gusov comes to the NHL and when. Uh, I would say the chances of that are 50-50. And when is when his contract expires. I believe I've talked about that on a, an episode, two episodes ago. So go through the catalog and, and see what I had to say about Gusov there. Two-point question, though, by David. Uh, David Lemaire at DavidLE2899 asks me the potential 
of Nick Merkley and Connor Timmons, and if I can comment on their injury history. So that's a great question. Nick Merkley, Arizona prospect, and Connor Timmons, Colorado prospect. Merkley's out with, I believe it's a knee injury, and Timmons is out with concussion-like symptoms. Um, So both of those can be career-limiting injuries, and getting injury updates on hockey players is challenging enough as it is, but it's even more difficult with prospects. Um, Maybe it's because there's not quite as much as an appetite for news on it, and it's easier for teams just to say nothing because no one's asking. I'm not sure. But uh, I really don't have a lot of information on these players' injuries. Uh, I understand that they're both skating and trending back towards making a return to hockey. So that's interesting. Um, Hopefully they can make it. I think Merkley is sort of a a 50-50. He's a very fantasy-relevant player, and he's one of those players that I think his fantasy value will be higher than his NHL value. And Timmons might be the opposite. However, I think he is a surefire NHL player. If he can get his health under control, uh, I don't think he's missed enough time for it to stunt his development. Uh, I think that's true in both players' cases. Uh, I think they're they're talented enough to continue developing. Um, they're they're not missing enough time. They're not missing an entire unless they miss this entire season. But the fact that they are skating and working towards coming back, I don't believe they they will. So Timmons, I think, will be uh, a core player for the Colorado Avalanche. Actually, on their blue line, uh, he'll be a future top pairing or top four defenseman with the likes of. Kale McCarr, Sam Girard, uh, Nicholas Malosh, and Nikita Zadorov. I think that's your your future look on Colorado's blue line, and I think Timmins is a is a big part of it. Uh, last question comes from NHL Ranking at NHL R A N K K I N G, and he asked me, "What do I think the Canadian World Junior roster will look like?" And as chance would have it, Canada announced what that roster will look like today. Uh, They had like a 35-man training camp invitation list. And uh, so I have that to work off of. And what I think, before we get too deep into the roster, the first player I want to talk about there is Gabe Velarde as he was named to that team. So what's interesting about that is Velarde hasn't played at all this season. And going into the offseason, it was kind of assumed that his junior playing days were over and that he would be a lock for the Los Angeles Kings roster. And unfortunately, he's had some back injury issues. He hasn't played a game yet this season uh, until actually just this weekend. I believe he's got one AHL game under his belt while I record this. Uh, He's playing in the AHL on a conditioning assignment. Because he's junior eligible, he can't play in the AHL full-time this season. It's got to be either the NHL or back to junior. So right now, he's been assigned to a conditioning stint in the AHL, and that pretty much should last him until the World Junior Exhibition and Training Camp uh, begins uh, midway through this month, so just a couple of weeks uh, as the tournament starts on Boxing Day. So he'll be playing with Team Canada after he's done his conditioning stint in the AHL, and then he'll play with Team Canada throughout the World Juniors, barring injury, of course. That's when things get really interesting. What will Los Angeles do for, with him once this tournament is over? Will they add him to their NHL roster, even though they're in last place, and adding a top prospect may or may not be beneficial to his development? Or do they just go ahead and return him to junior, give him another chance to play some meaningful hockey games uh, in a leadership role on a contending championship team, 
and which would mean that the Kingston Frontenacs would get to trade him. They are not a contending team. They just recently traded away their top player, Jason Robertson. Most of their players last year graduated. Uh, so the Frontenacs are a rebuilding team. And this would be a huge boon to the Kingston Frontenacs if they were able to trade Gabriel Ardy and recover some uh, more of their lost draft picks uh, and maybe a couple of prospects. Uh, so hopefully for the Frontenacs that happens uh, and we get to see Velarde compete for another Memorial Cup after he uh, competes for World Junior. So moving on to the question at hand, uh, Team Canada and what that roster will look like. Uh, since we talked about Velarde, I think we'll start up front. So Gabe Velarde, in my opinion, is a lock to make the team as likely the number one center. Uh Canada's going to have some really interesting decisions to make down the middle. they got a number of options uh, they can go with here, and Cody Glass, Morgan Frost, Barrett Hayton, Joe Valeno, Nick Suzuki, um, Jack Stagnica, I believe, is a center as well. Uh, I think they really would like to have Valeno as their fourth-line center. He's uh, been a captain for Team Canada at international tournaments, And make no mistake that there are a lot of politics that go into the decision-making and naming of the Canadian World Junior roster. More on that in a bit. So down the middle, Canada has lots of depth and lots of options, and they might have to move some of these centers to the wing. Um, But there's no shortage of great options on the wing as well. So looking on the right wing, I think you've got Owen Tippett and Nick Suzuki as locks in the top six positions there. Um... Another player that I'd really like to see make the team is Brett Leeson. And I think he's got an opportunity to be this year's Drake Batherson, a player that kind of comes out of nowhere. He's just tearing up the WHL the way Batherson tore up the queue a year ago. And he could make his way onto this roster. And then the way Batherson did, just kind of lead the team in scoring translate that into an NHL contract and find his way in the NHL in a matter of a year or two. Um, I haven't actually seen this kid play, but his stats are pretty impressive, and other people have made the Batherson comparison a couple of times before on Twitter and another podcast that I listen to. So he's a player I'm really cheering for him to make the team because I really want an opportunity to, to see what he can do at this level and if he can kind of duplicate the sort of success that Batherson had. Uh Shifting over to the left wing, I think we'd be looking at uh, Maxime Comtois, who was returned uh, to junior by the Anaheim Ducks uh, as a lock in a top six role. Alex Fermentin is another player that's got some NHL experience. He's got all kinds of speed to burn. He should be a lock for a top six, six roster here as well. Another player that I'm desperate to make the team for, I'm really cheering for personally, is Alexis Lafreniere. Uh, obviously, he's going to be a top pick in the 2020 draft. Canada doesn't usually tend to take draft-eligible players, and they almost never take D-1 players unless they are exceptional, exceptional players like Connor McDavid uh, or Sidney Crosby. I'm not sure if Alexis Lafreniere fits into that category yet, but if he makes this team, it certainly would go a long way of putting him in the same breath as aforementioned players. So I'm, I think that would be super exciting and be in a, a very, very interesting storyline to follow. Uh, so I'm kind of cheering for him too. Liam Foodie's another player I think has a really good chance of making the roster, again, because of his speed. Um, 
But then you look at some of the players who I haven't mentioned yet. Shane Bowers, Jared Anderson Dolan, Isaac Ratcliffe is a player I think is having a tremendous season. Uh, he brings some, some size and grit to this roster that I think Canada would like to have, defines with the way Canada likes to play hockey. Mackenzie Entwistle, likewise. Um, so, yeah, lots of options there. I mean, Sarah Noel wasn't even invited. Uh, so that was a little bit disappointing for Noel. Uh, I'm a fan of his, so I'm, I'm disappointed for him. Moving on to the blue line. Uh, so things get interesting on the blue line as well. I think you can look at three players as definite locks for the team, and that's Evan Bouchard and Noah Dobson on the right side. Uh, they're going to get all the minutes they, they can handle. Uh, lining up with them on the left, Ty Smith, I think, is a, is a certainty to make the team as well. Pierre Oliver-Joseph, um, would be my uh, my pick to round out the top four and the most likely players to play on this team. After that, you got two spots left on the roster, and I have about nine players competing for those spots. And remember when we talked about politics coming into it? Here we go again. So I have couldn't help but notice that in the past, it's been very difficult for Canadian players who have chosen to go the NCAA route to make international Canadian rosters. So players who fit into that description would be Jacob Bernard Docker, Cam Crotty, and Ian Mitchell. So those players, while they might be more qualified or skilled to make the team, I think have politics working against them. And if they don't make the team, I think you might want to look at that as the reason why. Uh, Jared McIsaac, Josh Brooke would be my top two picks to make the bottom six and round out that roster with a uh, very honorable mention going to Kalen Addison, Nick Bowden, and uh, Phillips as well. Uh, so there's a lot of bodies vying for positions on the blue line, and that's probably where most of the competition is going to come from, I suppose. Uh, very little competition is going to come in goal. I think it's a slam dunk that the two goalies to split most of the games will be Di Pietro and Scott. Uh, they'll get the starts for the round robin tournament, barring any sort of injury. And uh, whoever's got the best play will uh, will get the ball for the medal round. Uh, Valalta will be the other goalie who is, uh, I suppose, named to the roster as the, the third string goalie who only sees time probably if someone gets an injury or if there's uh, some terrible, terrible performances uh, by Team Canada goalies. All right, so that's... Uh, that's pretty much the content I have for this show. We're going to skip and talk a little bit more World Junior Hockey with our guest on this episode, which will be Dauber Prospects uh, writer Jokin Evelainen, coming to us from Finland. Finland announced their roster today as well for the World Juniors. Uh, so we'll get Yoki's take on who th- he thinks the players to watch are. They got a really young defense. I'd be really interested to hear his thoughts on some of the draft eligible players as Yoki follows those guys extremely closely. Uh, so we'll get to Yoki in a sec. But before I go, just kind of wanted to also mention an idea I've been playing with uh, for each episode uh, exiting would be introducing a different band, uh, kind of combining one of my other interests, which is music with hockey and my podcast here. Uh, and allowing people to share with me or me to share with you uh, great Canadian bands uh, maybe on the rise or that maybe need a little bit of uh, an opportunity to reach reach some audience. 
So with that being said, the first band that I'd like to uh, talk about or have as a outro music is a uh, good old Kingston Boys, Long Range Hustle. Uh, I got to know these guys by working with the bass player at my day job, Ryan Pritchard. He helped me with a little bit of uh, coaching and mentoring on how to use GarageBand and allow me to edit it and keep this podcast going. So stick tap to Ryan. So all you guys out there who enjoy the show, uh, why don't you uh, stick around after the interview and uh, give a listen to Long Range Hustle and one of my favorite songs by them called Paddle Away. Uh, it's a little bit one of their older songs. Um, you can go ahead and find them on Spotify or, or iTunes or however you're listening to this podcast. They've got all kinds of music all over the place. Long Range Hustle. Give them a look. Give them a follow. See when they're in your neighborhood. And that's it for this episode. Coming up next, I interview on Team Finland World Juniors with Joaquin Nevalainen. Cheers. All right, now it's time for our interview segment, and I'm really happy to be uh, joined from Dauber Prospects writer Joki Nevalainen, who is coming to us uh, live from Finland. Joki uh, covers uh, Finnish prospects really thoroughly. He also writes for us covering the Florida Panthers prospects. You can also find his stuff uh, working for Finn Prospects, and follow him on Twitter at Joki Nevalainen, J-O-K-K-E-N-E-V. A-L-A-I-N-E-N. Yoki, welcome to the pod. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. So this is, uh, we were just saying before we started recording, that the timing of our interview here is outstanding. As about two hours ago, Finland announced uh, their initial uh, roster for the World Junior Championship. Previously, you wrote an article on Dauber Prospects forecasting your thoughts on who would be on that roster now that it's officially announced when three more spots to go uh do you see any any surprises there it seems pretty close to the list you posted a few weeks ago yeah i think the the biggest uh thing on defense is that uh, two question marks uh urho vaakanainen and emeli rasanen are missing from the from the camp roster so uh both have been dealing with injuries lately so i think they just aren't ready to play by the time the tournament starts, so um, that's that's going to be two big names, drafted names, who are going to be missing from the final roster. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, big name players that are are not named to the roster mainly because they're playing in the NHL. So let's let's skip those guys for now, and we'll maybe come back and, and share some thoughts on whether or not we think they'll be added in after. But let's talk about. The known quantities. Uh, the first thing that jumped out to me after looking at this roster, beside the missing names, was how young their defense is. They have four draft eligible defensemen on their blue line. Uh, what can you tell me about some of the guys on their roster? As most of these names will be the first time most of our listeners hear them. Yeah, uh, well, I think the most interesting one might be Ville Heinola. Uh, he's been playing for Lukko in the Liga and he's been. Playing on the top top power play and getting uh, over 20 minutes per game lately. So, uh, as a 17-year-old, he's he's really impressing right now, playing against men. And at the at the recent U20 tournament in Czech Republic, they used him on the top power play on the Finnish team. So that's uh, kind of suggesting that they see him in that kind of role at the World Juniors as well. Right, so the four draft-eligible defensemen they have are Vili Henola, Mikko Kokkonen, Lassie Thompson, 
and Toli Honka. All these players are players you're confident will be selected in the coming draft in Vancouver in uh, 2019. Yeah, and I think all four will be probably top 60, maybe even top 50 picks. So they they have uh, had great seasons. Well, not so much for Anthony Honka, but uh, I think his upside is too good to pass. Uh, Interesting. So very young defense core, but highly skilled. Yeah. Yeah, all four can move the puck. They can. They are smart two-way players, and well, Honga is more of an offensive guy purely. But the other three guys are more, more or less two-way guys and playing, having great seasons so far. Right. And Lassie Thompson is a player that's playing in in North America right now. I think it's in the dub, right? Yeah, uh, Kelowna Rockets. All right, so there's a player that uh, some of our, our listeners might be familiar with as he is playing in North America. The two other players that are uh, named to the Finnish defense already would be Oskari Laksanen, a Buffalo Sabres prospect, and Tony Utonen, a uh, Vancouver Canucks prospect. What can you tell me about these two guys? Uh, Laksanen has been having a great season this uh, uh, with Ilves. Uh, he's he's playing on the top top pair, top power play, getting some PK time as well. So uh, he's seeing big minutes, and I'm expecting him to be a top pair guy for the Finnish team. And Toni Utunen is is playing very limited minutes, like 10 minutes per game in the league. So that's it's been a tough season for him so far. Um, but I do think he will be on the on the roster. Probably more on the third pair type of role. Okay. And of the six players that we've talked about here, the four draft eligibles and the two drafted players, who do you think is the most fantasy relevant? Who the player that uh, you know, fantasy guys scouting the world juniors for their fantasy roster? What are maybe the top two defensemen that they want to look at adding onto their fantasy roster? Who's most relevant? Uh, I think Oscar Larkson, since he's a bit older, 19 already, and he's, he's pure offense, uh, adding some defensive capabilities lately, but but he's a big guy, a 6'2", needs to add a lot of weight before he can play in the NHL, though, but very skilled, very mobile, and, and I think he will be, the Sabres drafted him in the third round, I believe, and it's it's looking really, really smart right now. And other other name, I think Ville Heinola. He's he's one to keep an eye on. And then if you're looking for pure upside, then Anthony Honka is is the guy to gamble on. He he's very risky, but his upside is huge. Interesting. Before we move on to the forwards, uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the absentees. Obviously, Miro Heiskin is the top name for their entire roster. I don't think there's much chance that Dallas is going to release him for the tournament as he's playing for their roster in the NHL and um, and looking pretty good as well. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> right. Uh, you could make the same argument for Yuha Vakanai, or sorry, uh, Henry Yokiharu, who's playing uh, with Chicago Blackhawks. He's got 10 points for them already, uh, all assists, but then um, Chicago's a... A rebuilding team, and I, I think they're they're interested in seeing how he can 
uh, can continue to contribute to their roster. So I don't see him as as a player that's likely to be released either. How do you feel the same way? Yeah, oh, I do. Yeah. All right. So the other two players you mentioned were uh, Emil Rasinen and Ruhovakanainen. Uh, both players NHL drafted. Rasinen by Toronto. Vakanainen uh, by Boston. Vakanainen's played in the NHL this season. Uh, they're both currently injured. Uh, do you? I'm not sure what their injury status is. Do you see them as a as a possibility for being healthy come Christmas in the World Juniors, and that they might be one of or two of the three players named to the roster? I don't think so. Uh, they already have 10 defensemen on the camp roster, so I I think if there was any chance of them being healthy enough, they would have been on the camp roster, but I, I think they're going to miss the tournament because of those injuries. Yep, fair enough. Okay, let's move on to the forward ranks. Uh, unless there's some of the other defensemen mentioned that... Uh... Uh, mentioned on the roster that, that we haven't talked about that you want to talk about that you think are have a really good chance of making the team? No, I think those are the, the most interesting ones. Uh, the seventh spot is a bit interesting. Not sure who's going to take it, but anyways, I don't see any of those other guys being fantasy relevant. So. Barring injury, they'll be in the press box eating popcorn all tournament anyways, right? Yeah. All right, let's move on to the forwards. Uh, one player that I'm really, really, really keen on getting your thoughts on, you've been tweeting about him quite a bit, uh, Anton Lundell. He's a 2020 draft eligible, so he's a little on the young side, uh, mainly because he's got a late birthday. He and I share the same birthday, so he just missed the cutoff for this year's draft by a couple of weeks. Uh, he's playing in Liger right now. He's got 10 points in 18 games uh, as of Elite Prospects stats update this morning. What do you like about this guy? Um, he, his two-way game. Uh, he's the, the closest thing I've seen to a Patrice Bergeron type guy to come from Finland. Well, since Barkov, I think. So that, that kind of two-way center who can play huge minutes in all situations. He has that kind of upside. I think we're looking at a top five pick in 2020. Yeah, the fact that he plays center doesn't doesn't hurt his draft status, right? We just we saw this summer that centers get a higher preference over wingers. Yeah, and I like him more than Kotkaniemi as a prospect. So that's that that's the type of prospect we're dealing with here. Yeah, so he's got it all right. Size, skill, two-way game. How's the skating? Good, really good. Uh, they're using him at wing this season mostly, but I think next se- next season he will be a full-time center in the league and could be a dominant player by the time. That's really- And you have him projected to play center for this team? Yeah, mainly because they, they don't have a ton of centers available. So he's, right. a, he's a natural fit down the middle. That bodes well. Okay, let's look at the two players you have ranked uh, on the roster just ahead of him. Rasmus Kapari, who was a first-round draft pick of the Los Angeles Kings last summer. And Kapu Kako, who is a top-ranked player for this coming draft, the 19 draft. Uh, you've got both of those guys on the roster ahead of him based on age and experience, I suppose? Yeah, mostly. Uh, there's a case to be made that Lundell should be on the second line. He's that good, but... Uh, if they have all their top weapons available, I think they can create three scoring lines and then 
I think Lundell is best served in that third line role. Okay. And I think Cooper is the obvious number one center for the team because he has that amazing chemistry with Alexi Heponiemi. Those two have been playing together this season for Karpat in the league and they are some of the best, most exciting players in the league. So you're looking at a duo that can dominate games even against pros. Right. So Kupari and Haponiemi, there's two players that Kings and, and Panthers fans are going to be excited to see. You'll know Alexi Haponiemi very well because you cover Florida Panthers prospects for Dauber's prospects. Uh, and he's from Finland and he's playing in Finland right now. Uh, where do you think his upside is as a fantasy player in the NHL? And uh, where do we see his ETA at for, for making the switch to Florida? Um, I think he needs at least one more season, either in Finland or in the AHL. He he needs to add some muscle to his team frame. But uh, after that, I can see him playing in the NHL. And upside-wise, I'm not sure I want to put any sort of cap on him. Uh, he has top-line upside uh, as a winger. I don't see him playing center in the NHL. but. As a winger, I think he can be a point-producing machine, looking at maybe even 80-plus points. Right, and he's a, he's a top-six player, or, or he's not on the roster. If, am I correct? He, he's, he's a playmaking, dynamic, offensive winger. Yeah, yeah, there's not much use for him in a defensive role. Right. So looking really forward to those two players playing together for Finland and watching their fantasy value rise. Uh, who do you think is going to ride shotgun on the left side there? On our article on Dauber Prospects, you put uh, Linus Newman there. Yeah, and it was purely based on the recent U20 tournament in Czech Republic because those three played together there and they looked really good. So I think there's no point in breaking up that line. Yeah, Le- Linus Newman is a player I'm really familiar with. As you know, he played for Kingston Frontenacs. And last season, the Frontenacs loaded up with star players to make a, a really strong playoff push. Uh, they came up a little bit short, making it to the conference final in their division. But he played on a line with uh, Gabe Velarde and Jason Robertson quite a bit, especially on the power play. So those are two prominent prospects NHL drafted that uh, all our listeners should be very familiar with. And Linus Newman not only kept up with those guys, but at time he was one of the driving forces on that line. I was really, really surprised that he was not picked in his second draft recently in Chicago as he was a top 10 scorer in the OHL all season long, even starting before the Frontenacs added players to their roster and stacked up. Are you surprised that he's not drafted? Yeah, a little bit, but uh, he he does have his flaws, so it's just a matter of finding ways to overcome those flaws. And and he hasn't been able to do it this season. He's struggling in the Liga, playing against men, so uh, it might be third time he's going undrafted, unless he can find some ways to pick up his game. And, of course... Uh, strong performance at the World Juniors would really help him, help him with the confidence and all that. So we'll see. 
Yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, I wanted to ask you specifically that. Uh, I think I think some of his weaknesses are that he's an undersized player, and as as we've seen in the NHL lately in the draft, that undersized players can succeed just fine. However, I think they need to have some good core strength. Uh, I've noticed watching uh, Newman that he's a little easy to knock off the puck uh, and uh, put him off balance. So that's what I think his his weaknesses or opportunities are. He needs to get a little bit stronger. Uh, do you see it the same way, or is there something else that I'm missing that you think is an area of opportunity that's keeping him off an NHL roster? Yeah, that's one big part. And then just effort level and all that, he needs to uh, be more consistent and all that. But those are fixable issues he has, but he needs to put in the work. Yep. That's absolutely correct. I'm really interested to track his career, and I think you're you're bang on that playing a uh, shotgun with Kapari and Hapaniemi on Finland's top line, should that happen, uh, would really give him an opportunity to raise some some scouts' eyebrows. So this is a player that I would say is uh, watch list worthy for all you fantasy uh, watchers out there. This player who may or may not get drafted in Vancouver this coming summer, and if not, Look for him to get an invite to an NHL training camp and potentially sign as, as a free agent. Uh, let's talk about draft-eligible forward Kapu Kako. Am I saying that right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Kapu yeah? Kako. That's, that's right. how we say it. <laughs> All right, beautiful. Um, look, tell me a little bit about him. He's, he's uh, ranked as high as second on a lot of people's uh, rankings for the coming draft. Uh, what's your take on him? What's your scouting report? Um, he he's an unbelievable talent, uh, great playmaker. Uh, should use his shot more. Doesn't do it often enough, and that's the one weakness I'm sort of seeing. Uh, if he can start shooting the puck more, he's going to be a real threat. And. Uh, the interesting thing about him is that most people know him as a winger, but uh, he has a history of playing center, and uh, the U20 team was using him at center in the Czech Republic tournament lately. So uh, I think he, he will be a center for the Finns, but we'll see. It's also possible to move him back to wing. Where do you have him ranked for the 19 draft? Second. No questions. Really? And obviously the fact that he's capable of playing center. Do you think he's a more natural center than um, Kotkaniemi? I'm not sure. The, the games I've seen him at center, he hasn't had good wingers. So it's, it's a bit difficult to really say much about his play down the middle when you don't have any support. Um, I'm really hoping they, they give him some good wingers some goal-scoring wingers on his side so that he can really utilize that playmaking ability he has. All right. Well, let's talk about who you project to be riding on the wing with him. Uh, I think we were looking at uh, New Jersey Devils prospect, potentially, um, Arnie Talvite. Am I saying that right? Uh, no, Talvite. No. <laughs> All right. I was way off. Uh do you think he's an option? Yeah, uh, I think they have a lot of options for that second line wing. Um, if 
Christian Vesalainen and Eli Tolvonen are available, and I think those are obvious choices for the second line wing spots. But if for some reason, for example, Tolvonen isn't released by by the Predators, then they have a bunch of options, including Talvitie, but also uh, Niklas Nordgren and Jesse Ylönen. I think are a couple of couple of interesting prospects drafted last summer. Well, if they can get Tolvin and, and Veselainen, that would give them a pretty formidable top six lineup. Um, what's your take on how Tolvanen's season's gone so far? And do you think there's a, a 50-50 chance that he gets released or, or better than that or worse than that? Yeah, they, they did call him up lately, but uh, I think it was mostly because of injuries. So I think he's going going back down to the AHL and... In that case, they are probably loaning him to the tournament. So I think it's it's more than 50-50 that he goes, but you'll never know uh, until they officially release him. Right. All right. There's a number of other NHL prospects on the forward ranks. Santeri Vertanen, Nicholas Nordgren, Jesse Lonen, um, Timu Engberg, and Sampo Ranta. Uh, and these type players... Who are some that you think would be worthy of fantasy owners keeping an eye on and maybe putting on their prospect roster, or if they own them, uh, keeping an eye on them and seeing how they fare? Who, who do you expect to stand out the most out of that group? Um, I think Niklas Nordgren has a great chance to really impress in this tournament if he's healthy. He, he's been dealing with injuries again this season, so that's that's been his problem past year and a half or something like that. So he has a chance to really impress. Very, very talented, small winger, uh, great playmaker, has a great shot as well. So can do both. And yes, Seulon and I, I like his upside a lot, but he's been struggling a bit this season. So uh, it's possible he doesn't even make the final cut. That's just how tough it is to make the team this year yeah on that note so let's let's play devil's advocate let's assume that uh Veselainen and Tolvanen are named to the team do you think that obviously they'll take some some roster spots away uh who do you think would get bumped Mm, probably Ranta and maybe Ylönen so two guys who haven't had a great season. They are talented players, but just don't have that confidence this year. All right. One last player that was named to this roster that I'm pretty unfamiliar with, and by pretty I mean completely, uh, Samueli Venopa. How wrong did I say that? Yeah, it's a difficult name, I'm sure. Uh, Vainiumpa. Um, uh, I think he has a chance to play a fourth line role, a defensive role, or maybe a 13th forward, but I don't see him making much of an impact besides that. Not a fantasy relevant player? And no. Great, then I don't have to worry about the name pronunciation. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, let's move on to the. Let's move to the net. Uko Pekalukinen is going to be their starting goalie by all accounts. Would you agree with that assessment? 
Yeah, I think so, at least to start, but uh, Lassi Lehtinen is, is going to get some starts as well and has has the chance to steal that starting job. I wouldn't be surprised if he took it away, if Lukkonen has any kind of troubles in net. So those two will split the net and the hotter hand will probably play the, the important games. Right. So Lukkonen is obviously a Buffalo Sabres prospect and uh, Lassie Lettinen has not been drafted. He's a free agent. Uh, do you have any thoughts as to why he perhaps has, has gone undrafted? Uh, probably size. Uh, I think he's six foot exactly, something like that. So pretty average size for a goalie. And But he, he's having a great season being a full-time Liga player this year. So that's impressive for a 19-year-old goalie. And uh, he's been really hot lately. The past three games, I, I've watched... All of them, and he's been great. So calm and confident, and doesn't doesn't look like a 19-year-old in it. So I, I think right. there's a good chance that he, if he has a good tournament, good season, he could be drafted next year. All right, that's awesome. So those are the only two goalies that are that are really likely, to, barring injury, going to see any games in this tournament for Finland. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, and we already talked about some of the draft-eligible prospects, Kako, Thompson, Hinola, Kokinen, and Honka. Was there any other players coming up for Finland while I got you on the pod here that uh, you think are fantasy-relevant and worth watching for the upcoming draft that, that missed the cut for the World Junior roster? Uh, yeah, I think the, the biggest name missing from the roster for, for the upcoming draft is Henry Nikkanen. Uh, hasn't had a great season, but he he's a great talent. I think a second round pick most likely next summer. Uh, great size, uh, plays down the middle, so that's always valuable and very very talented offensive player. So that's that's the one name who isn't. I I knew he wasn't going to get an invite. Uh, he because his season hasn't been that good, but. Uh, his long-term upside is really good. That's Henry Nikonen. How do I? How do you spell his last name so our listeners can look him up? Um, I think you can <laughs> do that better than me. Nikonen is how we say it, but okay, you, you can do the spelling. Sure, sure. So, he, where is he playing right now? Um, I think right now they sent him back to junior. Uh, he has played a couple of games in the league, but. Uh, Hasn't been given much of a chance there, so I think he's he's going to be playing most of this season uh, in the Junior A, the U20 league in Finland, and maybe next year he'll be a full-time league player. All right, good stuff. Um, I think that's all I got for the World Junior roster uh, and for the draft. Uh, do you have any other players that we haven't talked about that you had some thoughts on that you wanted to share? Nope. I think we covered everyone important. So, Yeah, right on. Well, I can't wait for the tournament to start. Maybe we'll get you back on to talk about some Swedish players. I noticed that you did uh, an article on, on the Swedish roster as well as what they might look like. So maybe we'll make that yeah. a conversation yeah. for another episode. Yeah, and just released the Russian roster today as well. And I'm going to do the Czech Republic roster 
later this week. So I'm right making on. it a full full series. Yeah, excellent stuff. You're doing great stuff on Dauber Prospects. I really liked the uh, the goalie ranking, consensus ranking that you organized and put together. That was a good one. What else you got coming down the pipe? And what else has come out recently that uh, our listeners should should head over to Dauber Prospects and check out? Yeah, well, I, I released my way too early 2020 draft rankings a couple of weeks ago after the 17 tournament. And, and then we have this top 100 or something like that uh, consensus ranking for the for the skater prospects coming up so that's going to be really interesting we have a bunch of writers uh, sending in their their top 50 and then i'm gonna combine those results into into a consensus ranking so looking forward to that uh, going to be out next week i think Awesome. All right, guys, if you don't follow Yoki on Twitter, you're missing out. His content is amazing. And uh, give him a follow at Yoki Nevalainen. Yoki, thanks so much for coming on the pod. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, yeah? Yep, thanks. Right on.
Pushing off of that show Pushing off of that show technical stuff.